0: Alright guys, welcome back to the show, and on the show today I had the privilege of sitting down with my good friend Brad, and Brad and I go way back, we've been hunting and fishing and exploring together for quite some time now. Actually, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing there are a lot of stories that we did not cover, that we're going to have to cover in the next podcast with Brad, but we've been climbing down in Arkansas, hiking the mountains of Colorado, hunting all over the place, And he's just one of those guys that I feel like will be a lifelong friend. So I hope you all enjoy this episode, listening to it, as much as I enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. Um, But we we actually recorded this episode up in Brad's garage. He bought a house last year on some acreage, and he's kind of let me take over a little portion of that as the podcast studio, and we're actually going to be building it out to make it a more official podcast studio. But we talk a little bit about his property, about the animals out there, what our plans are for it moving forward, the habitat improvement, and that type of thing. Um, And Brad brings a couple books into play that he recommends highly, that I recommend highly to all of you. So when he gets to that portion, it may be weird listening to a dude on a podcast reading a book to you, but I'm telling you, these books are worth it. You need to check all three of them out and... um, Yeah, we're going to jump into that show. Actually, before we jump in, I wanted to let you all know, we're going to be coming out with a t-shirt. We're going to put it up for sale, and we're just finishing a few details about getting it all printed, Um, but we'll probably make like 10 to 20 at first. If you're interested, go ahead and hop on uh, the website, hop on social media, and all the links will be um, on those different platforms, so... Uh, I hope I hope you guys are interested in, in t-shirts and hats. I'd love to come out with, you know, a few cool designs that people would enjoy wearing. But um, I'm always looking for feedback on any of that stuff. So before I keep talking about t-shirts and design, this podcast is about hunting. So let's jump into this conversation with Brad. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life was really scared but knowing that dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and on the show with me today i've got my good buddy brad cook hello brad thanks for being on the show man very welcome i'm pumped about this i've been I think this is episode like 19 now. Yeah,
1: I know we've been trying to do it from the start.
0: I know, and we just haven't had a chance to sit down and record one together. So I'm pumped. We're actually doing it at your place. I've recorded a few here now, and this is what we call Smokehouse Two.
1: Yeah, no, we turned, we changed to Smoke Shop. Remember? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, the Smoke Shop. The Smoke Shop. All right. We were calling it the shop. And we Smokehouse, and we're like, wait, the Smoke, smoke shop.
0: shop. That's perfect. So a quick story on the smokehouse because I've referenced that a couple times in podcasts. It was at my old place, and it was a little shack. It was what, probably like ten by twelve. Ten. By, 10 no, by,
1: it was ten feet by ten feet by like twenty, maybe twenty-five feet. Okay. Yeah, like so, two I small mean, rooms basically.
0: It's it's Both a little rooms, shack behind the house that I used to live in, yeah. and they built it because the original house burnt down. So they built this temporary living space that the whole family moved into while they rebuilt their home. And so they called it the smokehouse just because the house burned down. down. And we used that as like a get-together the night before hunting seasons. We'd all go hang out out there, and then we'd wake up the next morning and go hunt. But now you've got a different house, and you bought 10 acres. 10 acres, a house that we flipped or yep. we renovated. Yep. I mean, basically Working the progress. entire thing. Oh, yeah,
1: we did a shit ton work. Can I say that? You can say whatever okay, you sweet. want, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yes. you can say whatever you want. All right, sweet. <clears throat> but tell me a little bit about your property because this is your first. I mean, you've owned a house before this. Yes. But, but this is town. your first property right. that you've owned.
1: We finally got out of Springfield. So we're up uh, north of Springfield now the fair grove address uh so for those smart people looking for where the new hunting property is that's at least one little hint yeah but uh yeah 10 acres and i've got uh around me about 30 more acres that have no homes on them that i want to eventually try to pick up so
0: well now the equity that you've acres. got in this house
1: exactly that was the goal yeah
0: once once you get a new appraisal on it which right. you'll do probably do end. once it's completely finished yeah, towards yeah towards the end of this year then hopefully you can borrow against it and purchase a couple other plots of land right here bingo and then maybe I can build on it
1: yeah
0: i like well, that idea well if we
1: if we're really smart we could just get that little cuz there's one 12 acre tract that surrounds like a half acre with a house on it so we just pick that house up
0: that'd be sweet
1: with it that'd be the
0: and then I can get all my tools and stuff Beasiness. out of your
1: yeah. garage. It's all right. We got everybody's stuff. My stuff, my brother's stuff, your stuff, my brother-in-law's stuff, my cousin's, my wife's cousin's stuff. Yep. Yeah, everyone's stuff's here.
0: Which, I mean, I'm There's I'm renovating brother. a camper back here now, right. which is the only reason I've got to use the area. Because I
1: have a parking lot behind my shop. Yep. That could easily fit like four fifth wheels.
0: Everything here, I feel like, is multi-use. Yes. You know? I mean, we use that area as camper renovation, shooting range. Yep. uh, Dump pile. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's a big giant. We gotta get a roll-off dumpster.
0: Which the guy before you kind of used the whole property as a dump pile.
1: Yeah, he ran an auto body shop, and so all his auto body waste uh, is still riddled around the property. Yeah. If anyone needs tires, give me a call. I got uh, (laughs) more tires. I know what to do with.
0: No. No idea if they'll actually work on a vehicle, but no, if you need random tires... Or yeah, if you just want rubber. Yeah. <laughs> you just want rubber. Come to Brad. He's the rubber guy. Um, yeah, you bought this property, and right away... What happened with your wife? Your wife ran into somebody who used to hunt it, right?
1: Yeah, so we were under contract, and she came out to show my brother-in-law, and there was a guy who was on the property uh, checking cameras and his deer stands, uh, getting them ready for the season. And she was like, oh, we just brought the, bought the property. So he was like, oh, well, I'll pull all my stuff out of here then. But do you guys hunt? And she goes, well, my husband does. And he goes, well, we'll look at these photos and showed her a bunch of pictures from previous years and trail cameras with some. what she said good-sized deer, which she knows what a decent-sized deer looks like from just being married to me for forever. But I was still kind of a little like, oh, okay, who knows what they could look like. And then me and Dan put out a bunch of... Uh, Trail cameras and got four monsters, one in particular, that you might just have to post a singular photo of that one.
0: So I posted a couple, Okay. Just I think it was on TikTok, off. it was like, hey, these are the best camera pulls that oh, me and nice. my friends have had for, from last year, and that one, though, it is it's a, a tank. The body of it, I mean, it looks like it's probably a five and a half year yeah, old deer. He's
1: got that little uh, girdle thing hanging down off his chest. That like old age man, yep, third chin thing.
0: And you haven't, you haven't been able to harvest a deer out here yet. No, you could have was, shot a couple yeah. does, but yep,
1: I had that one beautiful eight point come out right in front of the house that day. You kept telling oh, me, man. put your. I had the bow up at the <laughs> shop, and you were like, "Keep it at your house while you're working." And sure enough, I didn't. And then that guy, well, I could have freaking twenty yard layup from the sunroom out front. Yeah, that one was really aggravating, but... Uh, it's probably a
0: good thing you didn't, because technically that's illegal. Yeah. You have to be, Yeah. what is did. it, like 100 yards from an inhabited well, building?
1: technically, but... So, Missouri just recently opened up this past season, an elk season, and uh, five tags that were all lottery system for Missouri residents, and uh, one of those guys, the oldest gentleman who pulled a tag, shot one off his back patio, what and he was
0: the first one, I think, right, to fill his tag. He might
1: have been, but I don't know. He he told the story as it, like he saw him walking through the backyard, walked out on his back patio, picked his favorite, and pulled the trigger. And conservation never said anything. So interesting. I don't know if he, so. Maybe they changed
0: the regulations. Could be.
1: Yeah, he could have just got I don't know fined or, and no one said anything about it. Just you know, but yeah all five elk tags got filled. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you and see they're going to open a bear? Did yeah, yeah a I did see that. Right here?
0: That's going to be sweet. Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to continue to increase how many tags they give out for elk. I, think I don't know.
1: Part of me kind of feels like they were like, oh, shit, we accidentally filled all five. We only wanted about three filled. But Yeah. Just because the herd's still pretty small. But it's
0: very, I mean, it's possible that they were like, we weren't expecting everyone yeah. to fill tags. But also... I think when they set those quotas, they have to have that in mind, yeah, in like, mind. if they all get well, killed.
1: especially if you're the first person to draw one of those five tags, you're, I mean, all those guys said they sat out that whole, whatever it was, nine-day season, because they were, like, determined to fill their stinking tags. Yeah, I would have been, too. Oh, right? yeah, if you yeah.
0: draw that, I'm, I, I was I think two selling. of them
1: were filled on the last day. Oh, wow. Like, like on, within minutes of each other. They were really far apart, but you can look it all up online. Yeah, don't quote
0: me. That's cool. I hope I hope they continue to increase, and depending on what the reproduction looks like, yeah. um, if they get a lot of calves dropping, if the right. herd increases, yeah. I think they'll continue to give five or more. I, I would imagine this year's out
1: here. They're still all out and out east.
0: I think they'll. I mean, as the herd grows, they're going to have yeah, to branch little, out. You know, the the satellite bulls, especially, yeah. and then maybe young young. Cows will yep. kind of branch out, and hopefully we get them up in this area at some point. Yeah, because the whole—I mean, the south half of the state, the south third of the state, I should say—yeah—is basically elk right. country. I same mean, same
1: with the bears. That's why the the bear season will be in the same exact area. Yeah, or the best hunting.
0: Did you put in for the elk last year? I did. Yeah. yeah. So I think did you I. Put it Wait in for me. I probably no. You? I think I put in. I put in a group hunt on public land because there's a couple different...
1: Oh, I might have done it myself then. Yeah. Because I know you, I gave, we all gave you our numbers so you could put it in for something. And I took all your numbers so I could put it in for the duck blind draw. Oh, over yeah. Over on Mississippi, which yeah. they shut down because of COVID this year. So yeah. we'll have to watch our clocks and do it again this year.
0: Hopefully this year we can draw something. Yeah. I mean, cool. I know if any of us, if any of our guys in the group draw an elk tag, I'll take off and go, go help oh, yeah. harvest an elk. Yeah. That'd be cool. I I haven't seen any of the elk in Missouri yet. So and even the pictures, I don't think I looked at any of the pictures. At, there's
1: there's mm, three of them were you know what you'd probably think of if you think Missouri elk, but two of them look you know Western size. It was, yeah,
0: I think cool. they almost all come from the Rocky Mountain elk herd.
1: Yeah, I want to say they pulled them. Yeah, and dropped them over. They're, they're not they're not in pulling them from Arkansas, the northwest. Southeast kind of is like. Two separate herds, but more or less one herd. I know a lot of them cross the state line, yeah, back and forth. But
0: either way, I mean, even if we don't, now we've got more hunting property. Although it's only ten acres, we've had more big bucks yeah, on, on camera here, mm-hmm. and from what we've seen so far, they haven't been not that they're not residents i mean they're obviously from this area but they're not like bedding and feeding and doing everything on your property it's too small it's it's properties close to here right so i think i think we'll see a couple more good sightings of those deer we didn't find any sheds of them we Mm -hmm. walked the whole property multiple times now i mean i know i'll randomly take a break from camper stuff and go go look around but I think, I think yeah. moving forward, this is going to be a killer spot with so. the little bit of improvement that we're going to do. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't need to be much, honestly.
1: No. Plus, I mean, we're already putting in, my brother's done majority of the work, but he's put in a ton of different fruit and nut trees. Nice. Everywhere. Um, he's convinced that they don't like, that deer don't like pawpaws, which I don't know if they do or not. Yeah, I, I don't know. i, I want to believe him on it because he that's his thing is permaculture and he knows all that stuff so i believe him but i'm curious to see because we put probably a couple oh, at least a dozen out front so we'll see what they pull from that but we've got some peach trees that went in some putting in some apple
0: not did you guys do berries. anything to protect them
1: not the pawpaws, not yet. We just okay. put them in the ground. But nothing's bothering them. They're just sprouts. Same with the peach. But I'm going to go throw some buckets around them nice. here sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I was curious. I mean, I know yeah. if new trees come up, a lot of times they get hit pretty hard if there's right. a resident
1: deer herd. But Yeah, and that's kind of what makes me think that they really don't like the pawpaws is because they haven't been bothered at all. Granted, they're also closer to the road, so. Yeah. But they cross right there, right in front of the house. Yeah. Uh, well, and they, they feed it. right in your backyard. I yeah. mean, yeah.
0: those deer will come and eat your lawn. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, whatever it is they're picking at.
0: Yeah. Um, the nice thing about your property, though, is I'd say what, like four acres or six acres of it is all a big oak flat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, at least. And then there's two, technically three drainage, like culverts that run off of that flat. And, uh everything works up those drainages into the flat to feed so yeah that's where we position most of the cameras
0: well and they do as soon as those acorns drop i mean mm-hmm. without the understory like there's not much understory because right. it's, it's pretty young. thick woods yeah um but there's not much like the sunlight just doesn't get to the ground right and so the acorns are really easy for them to pick yep. up right now yeah on the flip side it's not a ton of bedding cover for them no um, no, my so my neighbor's
1: got the nice bedding cover, which is technically in the uh, in the power line cut. That's oh where yeah, where it seems like most of them are bedding, which is
0: it's awesome. Cause Ten it's, yards yeah. off the property. So. Yeah, it's right next yeah. to where the stands are, and so yep. hopefully we can catch them catch them in transition yep. this coming year. Um, but yeah, you've been hunting out at my old property with me for years since you got the place. Yeah,
1: before that I was. Primarily hunting at my dad's property down in Ozark, and we pulled some good deer off there.
0: It's crazy how many big deer are around here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you came from Illinois. Illinois. I came from Wisconsin. Right. I don't think either of us really thought, oh, we're going to run across big whitetails no, here. No,
1: my dad and I passed up on a few our first year here, 2006 or seven, Uh Mainly doe that we thought were small. And, uh, And then everyone told us, no, those are Missouri deer. Those are good-sized doe for Missouri. But at the same time, in the last, other than that first year, I don't know if it was just because I got immediately acclimated, but I feel like, I mean, that one deer, you remember my dad shot, uh, we had to drag that up the hill back to the house, and it took freaking four of us to, Dragging up that thing. Well, I don't it doesn't remember what it dressed out at, but it was a cow. It was.
0: And it that spot behind your parents' house, it—I mean, it didn't look like it was that big of a hill until well, you were dragging you a were deer, dragging deer up, a giant deer up, or it. pushing a four-wheeler that yeah. broke down up in we, the
1: in the ice. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and then the one time, so our, our buddy Andy bought a uh, Honda Four Tracks. Yeah. And we rode that thing all over the place. Yeah went over the jump, like, it was just this, Everywhere. oh, it was leaking gas, and there were loose wires, and we realized, like, we JB welded the tank, that didn't do anything, and we kept taking it off this little jump that we had made, and we thought, you know, we're Travis Pastrana out there, and really, we're getting, like, Napoleon Dynamite kind of air, but all of a sudden, we realized it was pouring gas, and we're like, we need to push this thing back up the hill, and I think you were like... No, I'll just drive it. And we're like, dude, there's loose wires all over the place. It's leaking gas like crazy. Yeah. But you made it up. No problem. yeah, it
1: did catch on fire.
0: I think he actually completely redid that whole four-wheeler. And I want to say he he still has it, yeah. Nice. Because he had it on the property down in Arkansas that he bought. Yeah, I
1: didn't know he... Yeah, I think I remember he got a new tank for it when it was still parked in my house, which my dad was pretty peeved at.
0: Oh, yeah, your dad was very particular about the property and... We need to get him on when he comes up. Oh, I know. Yeah. We Just should
1: here in a couple weeks that we have
0: Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be one of our next podcasts. Is we'll do hilarious. a full Cook Boy because there's three boys. Three boys and a dad. And a dad. Yeah. And we've got stories to fill about one full season of podcasts. Hilarious. So that'd be a good time. And we can show them that we finally have our own three star balls.
1: Yeah, that's true. We'll so, save that story. Yeah, we will save long that story. Ball story. Stay
0: tuned, life. that's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Everybody be ready for a great story. Um, well, yeah, I think we're gonna get onto some deer. I know out out at my old place, we both had success out there.
1: Yeah, we both pulled some beautiful deer. And I it one same day, same day, one year apart.
0: Yep. And so at that point, we were. I think we both were like, "Wait a minute, there's something to this. These deer right. are coming through on that day." Yep. And we've been we've been watching that. Unfortunately, this year we didn't shoot one on that same day. No. But uh, they were both rifle season. Right. Um, and it was both opening. I think mine was the Monday after opening weekend. Yours was on opening weekend, wasn't it?
1: Probably. And yeah. it was rainy and stinking cold, and I didn't want to go out, but it quit raining. I sat in my car for probably 30 minutes while I was downpouring. And then it died, and I was like, all right, it's just drizzling, kind of like a mediocre rain. I'll go out, you know, way less chance of getting hurt or scented. And I'd been out, yeah, two days in a row and got busted twice by, I'm pretty sure, the same deer. Okay. Set up on that field edge uh, in the stand. I used to always hunt that double ladder. Yep. And uh, he kept busting me from behind. I could hear him, but I never got to see him. And so this particular day, I walked all the way around on the road, way out of the way, played the wind which helped a lot so and then hopped the fence walked in and then just sat down on the ground and stared at my stand which was probably 67 yards away and I never saw him come out because there's that little knoll and so he was able to work around behind there and then I ended up seeing him down by the pond by the time I took the shots freaking I think we measured it It was ballpark 180 I can't remember it was like 178 or something
0: yeah, I, I was oh, in Colorado at that shot, point, yeah. but you sent me the picture, and I was like, dude, that's a great deer. It's actually hanging on the wall behind you. It is. It's a really nice deer. Yeah. Nine-point, same as mine. Yeah. Um, so I mean... measured
1: the little nubbin counts. Oh, yeah. It, it comes out, yeah. It, so so, so you have a 10-point, yeah.
0: but, like, the main frame, it's a mainframe yeah, nine, frame. five on the left, four on the right, which is exactly what mine right. was, and I've got multiple pictures of deer that have five Same. on the left and four on the well, right. No,
1: our, we I sent you the picture and you immediately sent me a side-by-side of yours and they would look like twins practically. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. It's a great deer, though. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a lot more success out there. We've had some really big ones. I mean, last year we had six or seven big ones on camera out there. Yeah. But, I mean, they were all nighttime sightings, usually late yeah. September. Um,
1: yeah, I know out here because of the the Oak Flat. What we learned from last year was uh, early bow seasons definitely the best time out here. Oh yeah. Just because that's when all the acorns will drop.
0: Yeah, because we we only got a couple daytime pictures. Yeah. Of decent bucks, the one three right three. in front of your house. Right. But then out in the woods, there's just one little spot coming up yeah. one of the drainages onto the Oak Flat. Right. That we would catch that big one quite a bit.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, he was there at like midnight. Quite a bit. And then one time in the day, I've got that weekend marked on the calendar.
0: It's difficult (laughs) when you have the only property that's being hunted and there's no pressure around you because they know.
1: No, the furthest is across the road, across that property that's immediately across the road, across another road, and then there's another property. They hunt out there.
0: So, So, I mean, there's a lot of room for them to just sit, which means... We just have to figure out what's going to draw them in right. and keep them on the property. But it's cool to hear. I guess I didn't realize when you shot that buck out of my old place yeah. that it was just you changed your access route one day. Yeah,
1: changed it one day and then uh, also sat on the ground Yeah, for rifle season, which is kind of funny, for around here. Oh, yeah. Everyone hunts and stands around here.
0: Yeah, sitting on the ground, I mean, that's something I grew up doing, and I used to see deer all the time doing it. We'd yeah. sit on the ground or a five-gallon bucket, Yeah, um, which it was kind of nice because in Wisconsin, it's been back and forth of if you can bait or not, but oh. for a while you could put one gallon of bait out, mm. and they had to be 100 yards apart, but you could do one gallon per day.
1: Nice.
0: And so we'd just bring a five-gallon bucket out, fill one gallon of corn, yep. dump it, and then we'd sit on the bucket, on the bucket. and just watch and see nice. if the deer came in.
1: Yeah, I remember falling asleep on the ground beneath my dad's tree stand all the time. Cause he'd early on, before I even like could have a gun in my hand, he'd just put me on the ground at the base of the tree stand. Yep. And then I'd fall asleep and then he'd wake me up and be like, Did you see that deer? It was a practically licking your boots because <laughs> you passed up on some dough or something. And would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I saw it. He's like, well, you didn't move or anything. And I was like, yeah, I was trying to be real still. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm already that good of a hunter. You did not want to get the earful yeah, from being exactly, asleep. Yeah, falling asleep, yeah.
0: That's funny. Yeah. I, I knew, or I know it was a huge change going from sitting on the ground or on a stump or a bucket to being up in a tree because I would fall asleep all the time. Yes, I still do. And... <laughs> I'd be up in the tree with no harness on as, like, a teenager. Right. I still don't wear a harness. And I'm like... (laughs) I've I've changed recently because last year my uncle actually fell when they were doing tree stand prep. Oh, yeah. He was... I think he was climbing down out of it, and he He slipped and fell. And they were pretty worried about him, took him to the hospital. But he ended up being all right. Minor injuries, considering that he fell 20 feet out of a tree. Right. But i've switched now i wear a harness basically every time i yeah. just keep a tether up there right full time and i really want to get into saddle hunting
1: yeah i know we've been talking about that
0: which yep. i think would be great because then based on the wind you can move around right that's something that i mean hearing other podcasts right there's so much information out there that you can really use to your advantage yep and one of the main takeaways i've found this year was saddle hunting i'm like i've got it i've got to get into that
1: yep
0: and you didn't come out with tony and i on the public land hunt but we went out yeah we went out and we had climbers and it was impossible to find a tree i mean i think it took us about an hour for me to find one tree yeah to get that climber up in
1: no you gotta go out at like two in the morning with hedge trimmers and make your own tree
0: yeah so i was like man if i had a saddle Yep. I could have hunted any one of these trees. Right. I would have been within range of a couple different deer yep. that I saw. And, uh, yeah, that turned me off of the climbers. Because yeah. most trees don't have a straight trunk
1: no.
0: Um, with no branches on it, right. you know, unless you're hunting a telephone pole.
1: yeah,
0: You've got to do a lot of work in order to be able to get up in there.
1: Yeah, They're super comfortable, though. Yeah. They're
0: incredibly comfortable. This one, this one was not comfortable at uh, all. It was Tim's. Oh yeah, that yeah.
1: one was not. No, my dad had one that I used probably two years, and I quit using it because it would put me to sleep immediately. It was way too comfy. That's funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you gotta kind of be on your toes on those right. in those saddles. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you can still flip over in them. Right. There's no shoulder straps or anything. No. It's basically a rock climbing harness, right. which you're plenty familiar with. Right. But. Yeah, I think we should try to get into that this year. Yeah, I think
1: it'd
0: be cool. Um. Moving forward, though, what, what is the plan? Are you going to continue to plant fruit trees out here on your property?
1: Yeah, we'll do that. I want to get all the garbage out of the woods, of course. Uh, you know, I think we've got a good beat on where they're moving. Uh, what else? I mean, there's really... Luckily, it's, I mean, 10 acres and 9 of it's timbered. So, we really don't have to do... And more of that will be because we're planting all these trees. Yeah. So... Not much to do there. We didn't move some of the stands. They were, with the remodel, I didn't get any chance to really get out during the first half of bow season. And then I only got out like three or four times for a rifle, and then maybe another half dozen for the latter half of bow. And what I realized they were great stands for rifle season, because I threw them up like two days before, and then they were horrible bow stands. Well, so, and,
0: well and you said you were seeing deer or you were seeing evidence of deer being in the woods with you right. while you were in your stand, but you couldn't see him from the one. Right, there's
1: that one spot where they do a little bit of bedding, it doesn't seem like very regularly, but periodically in that cedar grove, and, uh, and I could see him moving out of there towards that, or I could hear him moving out of there over to that one corner uh, where we had the camera. And yeah, there was like two or three different hunts where I was sitting in a stand, I could hear something moving, never could see it, and then I'd go get down around, you know, 10 a.m., check the camera, and there'd be two deer in this spot that I couldn't see, hanging out for 60 minutes while I was maybe 60 yards away from them. Jeez.
0: Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. But now that now that we've learned, I mean, last year was a learning year for sure. Yeah. And yeah. we'll continue to figure it out. Which but. is
1: why I wasn't super worried about getting out too much last year, because I was like, oh, we bought the property, we'll be here for a long time. So
0: Have you have you talked to any of your neighbors to find out if there's potential hunting access?
1: No, I still haven't. I need to talk to this guy next door who but I don't completely know how to get hold of him because he's springfield this is the two properties two out of the three properties that are no they don't live on them yeah and so he just owns them
0: i wonder if we could but
1: i didn't hear a single shot come off those properties and never saw any trucks going up the road or anything so i don't think anyone's hunting them so yeah
0: yeah well i know i was speaking with a guy up in wisconsin and he said even with covid and everything trying to get permission to hunt on properties right most people don't want you coming up to your door now yep. uh, or to their door and so he's like on onyx you can just look up the mailing address and send him a letter right and then give him your phone number in the letter yep. and you know just say no that's a good idea reach out because so, i think
1: it's a p.o box that's listed so i know it's not his
0: oh okay actual you yeah, had to send him a letter true. and just say hey you know i've got property right next to yours yep would you be interested in letting us hunt it right We'll take care of it and, yeah. you know, let us know what work you need done on it. Or yep. are you willing to sell it?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me know if I want first dibs. That's that's really what I want to get hold of them for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That'd be cool. I know we've both talked about having land for a long time. Yeah. We talked for a little bit about going in on land together, yep. like a bigger chunk, putting houses on, like, opposite corners right. or whatever, but still having access to hunt it. Yep. And for a while, oh, man, I could have killed you. We, Sam and I moved out to Colorado, right, yeah. and <laughs> all of my friends were like, oh, dude, it just we need one person to move out there, and yeah, then the rest of us are going to move out there. So we're
1: like, yeah, someone go, and we'll follow.
0: Yep, everyone's going to follow, and yeah. so we moved out there, and I'm like, all right, what's the timeline? Okay, by this time next year, we're going to live out there. Right. That time next year came. Yeah. Man, we I think we're going to be around here. At,
1: Chris and I, and my wife, we went out and looked at properties, yep. getting ready to try to buy out there. So we were dead set, and then life happened, and we just got stuck here.
0: I'm kind of glad nobody moved out there because... No, it worked out. I love it. It, it was, was so really expensive up. to live out there. It really it's, was. It's and easy
1: we, to go out there now. We got cheap living here. We got sportsman's paradise here. Yeah, And then to get trips out west, to get on trips out west, is affordable because you can, you can actually afford it. Yeah. You don't have to work over every weekend to just live.
0: Yep. Well, I'm hoping you and your dad can come out yeah, this year on that Elkan. He really
1: wants to go. I want to go too. When he
0: when he comes, we're going to seriously talk about yeah. it and we'll get Tony over here and yep. we'll all chat about
1: yeah. possible
0: strategies, costs and see yep. if it's something that no, you, when guys you guys can. you guys
1: went to see him in Florida. He called me separate from your call and was like, "Hey, Dan said." And I was like, "Yeah, let's go."
0: Yeah. So. That would be awesome. I would yeah. love to get out on a hunt. Because, I mean, I'd been over at your, at his house after you guys had hunted. But right. it was a small property, like what, 16 acres or? 12. Oh, yeah. 12 and acres. He was,
1: yeah, like, since there was four of us hunting it already, yeah. me and my brothers and him, he was like, no, no one else can hunt
0: no. this. But it was a cool spot. I mean, there yeah. were a lot of deer around there. Yeah. But it would be cool to finally get out on a hunt with him because yeah. I still haven't, we haven't. I haven't hunted anything with him yet.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, and the one time I took him duck hunting and my boat broke down, uh, (laughs) we, uh... Which time? Yeah, the the one time I took him out and it broke down. And, uh, but I got him on those birds, which was fun. But, yeah, no one joined us. Yeah, no, it was just me and him. And then he whiffed on the first, didn't even pull the trigger. He's like, couldn't tell how far away they were. I was like, come on, I, I didn't pull. We had, like, three, I don't remember if they were teal or what, uh, some puddle duck. We were at GoldenEye Point there on Stockton and, uh, and had a group come in, probably like, if I remember correctly, four, five, you know, just a layup. And I was like, all right, you know, take the shot. And the boat ran great out there. The dog was, everything was freaking perfect. Had a good spread going. Did its job, pulled some birds in. and uh, And he, oh man. He just completely whiffed. They flew off, and I looked at him, and he was, like, dumbfounded. I was, like, what'd you do? <laughs> I, was, like, I didn't know when I'd, I'd do I was, like, I said shoot. Yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious.
0: What uh, what do you think is the game plan, though, this year for getting these big bucks out here at your place?
1: I think mean, just more time. More time yeah, in mean, the I think woods. I need to spend some time in the woods. I mean. We can only have so many cameras out. And because of the way these oak, this oak flat is, they take more or less, you know, three different, as best we can tell, uh, they, they utilize those drainages to mostly get on the property. But as far as sign goes, they're using any which way. Because I've got kind of a long skinny property that cuts one, two, three, like, about, what, five properties? through the middle of them, basically. Yep. And so they cross through just to feed, and they'll come just, seems like whichever way they... Yeah, there's
0: in. not... That's the one thing that I found interesting yeah. when we were really trying to map out the property, right. is that there aren't, like, heavy deer trails coming from one yeah. place.
1: They're just wherever they were closest to. They just kind of meander on and then just go to town on these acorns through that early... Uh, early bow season but that's how my dad's old property was he had 12 acres of a long skinny rectangle and they would just come across wherever they you know one day it might be it seemed like every other day it was another 15 20 yards down the fence row that they would just hop in
0: well in the Uh, way it's lined out because your neighbor has bedding right and it's a long strip of bedding yep and then you've got a long strip of acorns yep I think by the time they're on your property, they're already grazing. So they're just going wherever the food has dropped. And so there's no set route that they're going to take. But one thing I've heard on podcasts is you can do hinge cutting Mm -hmm. and kind of direct them. So the hinge cutting does multiple things. I
1: forgot to mention we were going to do some of that. You and you had talked about that.
0: Yeah, if we do some hinge cutting, we can almost funnel the deer because you don't have very many natural funnels out here. No. But the hinge cutting will do three things. It'll give them more cover. Right. It'll give them continual food. Yep. The tonnage per tree right. is, like, better than if you put in a food plot out right. there. And it continues to grow because you leave some of the tree live. Yep. And then, also, you kind of make almost like a windbreak, and then they can just walk along that because they're not going to keep crossing over right. dead trees with or live trees with yeah. limbs all over the place. So it'll actually funnel them towards whatever stand. Yep. You want them to go to you, yeah. So I think that's a good plan. And then the other thing I want to really try was a tactic that I heard on a different podcast, and that is taking last year's trail camera photos. Yeah. And they say that mature bucks, if they show yeah, up in same. one spot, they'll be there within a day or right.
1: two. Day before, day and day after. Yeah. Sit out there. So, so definitely, yeah. Me and you talked about that a few weeks ago, and I was like, all right, that's the plan for this year then.
0: Yeah, we'll get. We'll we'll pull those or we'll pull up the pictures from last year, yep. and then we'll just make sure we're set up in that same general yep. general area. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit now because you brought a couple books with you. I
1: did. I was gonna try to let them come up, you know, more or less uh, by by happenstance because there's three different uh, different. Vibes to, to these one you know, one of them is is uh, more like philosophy and hunting. I mean, it is the guy was a philosopher and a hunter. And then one of them is just to to try to get you know uh, people interested in in reading different old. I mean, there's plenty of modern uh, wildlife writers out there, but some of these old guys are just a blast to read and so one of them was just to try to drum up interest in some of these old older books you know I'm always texting you like hey check this one out this one and then and then that was the one that we just love which I can the old man and the boy which yeah it's just
0: you you got me into that I think it was right before our duck hunt that we went on yeah
1: because there's a chapter on duck hunting that that he writes that is just magnificent
0: and so yeah. you you pulled it up and you were like hey you need to download the audiobook yeah, and the audiobook. listen to it because the narrator it's is perfect bought on His for
1: it voice is magical
0: so if any of you guys are looking for something else to listen to once you finish all my podcasts obviously yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, download the old man and the boy audiobook yeah. because yeah. it is amazing and why don't you share kind of the Premise of the book, or you know yeah, how it's so, written.
1: And on that one, I'll just pull up when you read that excerpt. I guess the uh, the the old man, the boy. It's uh, from the perspective of this guy as an older man uh, writing about his childhood, growing up with his grandfather teaching him how to hunt and fish, basically everything. Yeah. And so there's there's literally a chapter for for everything we can.
0: Yeah, it goes, I mean, whitetail, yeah. quail, small Yeah, it starts out
1: with, with a lot of bird shooting. Uh, and then, yeah, turkey. Uh, it goes by seasons, so that's part. It's like spring and then works its way into fall through winter and then back to spring, summer, fall. And so it just goes, it's, it's so great. I've gotten
0: the habit now of right before a certain season starts, I'll either read or listen to right, the chapter that specific one. on that yeah. exact hunt.
1: Well, there's some just amazing wisdom in it too. There or is. It,
0: that, he breaks it down. It's such a right. It's such an easy way to understand it. Like even yeah. if you're not a hunter, if you don't understand hunting or shooting, he breaks it down to a point where anybody can understand it.
1: Yep. No, that's what our my biggest passion i love deer hunting and i love turkey uh all forms of birds but ducks are my all-time favorite which i can blame dan for because now i've spent way too much money and time <laughs> trying to kill ducks which don't seem to exist here in south west missouri southeast missouri on the other
0: As our friend Tim would say it, there's no ducks in Missouri. There's no
1: ducks in Missouri, which there are plenty of ducks in Missouri. The Golden Triangle will produce like crazy southeast, the boot heel. But but our little quadrant has next to nothing. Well, they just fly around. Yeah, we're we're elevated, and so they're flying, and they're coming in over the plains, and then they see this giant mountain in front of them, basically, and they're like, screw that, I'm not going to gain any more altitude, I'm already... Came from Canada. I'm exhausted. Yeah. So they'll just fly around.
0: Well, and on both sides of us, east, you've got the Mississippi, Mississippi River. Right. and the, yeah, that Mississippi whole, Flyway.
1: And then we've got... Yeah.
0: And out then out west. west, you have so much crop right. field and, like, flat pond area. Yep. So it's a lot of water. Right. And then you have here, where it's just small farm ponds. Right. And then basically no farm ponds right. as you go south of here, because it gets more into the Ozark Mountains. Yep. But... There's there's definitely birds we just have to travel for. Yeah, it.
1: you got to work hard to get on them. Yeah. Here.
0: Well, we joke about it all the time. If you can kill birds in Missouri, yeah. it, in, in our area, Missouri, yeah. you can kill birds anywhere. Exactly. Because you really have to know how to yeah. hunt them in order to, to be and successful. And how to stink and
1: shoot them. Yep. Because you don't get these two, three dozen flocks flying in on you, and you get two or three birds yeah. coming in on you. Let's, so if you whiff, you're set got lot.
0: we got we to gotta share that story about that? last year hunting Stockton Lake. Yes. We called it oh, GoldenEye Butthole. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, we
1: called it GoldenEye's Asshole because, yeah. yeah, GoldenEye's Point was at the other side. Oh, yeah.
0: That's, yeah, so that's on the other side. And then this is just a tiny little cove yeah. on the back side of it. Right. And we were hunting there with, like, four or five guys. Right. Well, Brad.
1: The boat ran like a top.
0: The boat did run like oh, a top that day. Yeah.
1: My dog did good that day. But. Yeah. The two big, what's the, the two things every, or at least me, but most duck hunters will, will say that is technically a farce is the boat runs like a top and I've got the best dog ever. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what we hear every single yeah.
0: time yeah. we hunt. And leading up to hunts, I'm like, oh, should we grab Tony's boat? He's got yeah. no, to bring no, new. No, 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 The boat runs like a top right now. Yeah. yeah. But we, we went out there and we got set up. Right. And I'm like, I forgot,
1: my
0: gun. forgot your gun, forgot the mojo wings yep. in the, in the truck. And right. we're like, we're not going to run back for it. Yep. We're about to have shooting light. Right. And so we just started hunting. Well, we had a couple volleys of birds.
1: Well, and it was, it was the afternoon. We went out in the afternoon Yep. because that was oh, yeah. the day I found the next morning. We had a killer morning because I went, dropped you guys off and then buzzed around for freaking at least two hours just checking every cove, trying to put the birds to bed, and found way up farther north uh, on the on the lake that uh, what we just started calling the honey hole. And then we went out that next morning and took a buddy of ours and had a great morning. And it was his first hunt. And yep. he, we told him, don't expect to shoot or even see anything. <laughs> and then he has this amazing hunt with us and we're like all right that was the one good hunt of the year man you just got (laughs) so lucky (laughs) your first ever duck hunt you just yeah which he did the same thing when they came in me you and and parsons just dropped what probably four birds on that first volley and then we turn around and our buddy chris was standing there with that like just dumb look on his face like what the hell just happened (laughs) And we were like, did you shoot? And he was like, I didn't even pull the trigger. I was just like, what is Yeah, Yeah.
0: It it gets chaotic quick because where we hunt, it's not like you have big open water. They're flying across it or flat fields that you can see. We're hunting a man-made lake. Yeah. And so it's just giant hills in every direction. And so you can't see them coming. All of a sudden they'll just bomb over the trees. And so it'll go from absolutely nothing. Yeah to birds in your face you got to pull the trigger right now and yep. so i mean it caught him off guard for sure it
1: did it was hilarious but anyways back to the to the i dropped you guys off found those birds came back i was like hey i know where we're hunting in the morning yep and then we were sitting there and then you can tell the rest of so two different groups of birds came so
0: back. we had two different groups of birds come in the first one came in we shot dropped a couple and
1: well then uh, we had two groups come at the same time on your yeah
0: yeah and so then i turned to brad and i said hey listen this is how we'll do it because you forgot your gun you don't you know you can still get shot opportunities right so after i shoot then you get a shot right and we'll just switch back and forth each group that comes in yeah and so the second group came in and all of a sudden i'm like dude don't move don't move There's birds coming in. And it was the biggest group of mallards that we've had drop in on that lake ever.
1: Yeah, easily.
0: And, I mean, there were well over 20, probably. Yeah, it was was two Yeah, yeah, give or take. And so I see them circling, and I'm like, these are actually going to come in. And from your point of view, you're watching them, but then you see three goldeneye. Which you
1: know I love, goldeneye.
0: You you will give up any other bird to shoot goldeneye. Yeah. Which I I enjoy hunting I them. Love I love the way they fly. They yep. fly low. They're in your face before they're you see them.
1: Beautiful birds. Oh so yeah, they're gorgeous. Gorgeous birds.
0: But you're like, take these golden goldeneye. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got two dozen mallards dropping in, and yeah. we have three goldeneye yeah. scooting across the water right in front of us. Yeah. And I just yelled,
1: "Sit down!" Because <laughs> our other buddies stood up. Because
0: <laughs> they <I> stood <laughs> up to shoot at these golden goldeneye, <laughs> and I go,
1: "Sit down." Yeah.
0: And Brad's like, why didn't we take those GoldenEye? I'm like, because we have two dozen Mallards yeah. working in. Yeah. And somehow, we called, and those they Mallards came back. came back. They did. And they start dropping in, and I yell, pull. Or yeah. I, I yell, take them, or whatever I said. Yeah. And we jump up, and we start shooting them. Right. Well, you go to pull the trigger, and you got nothing. Yeah. Because the spent cartridge didn't eject yeah, on, the, on the previous volley. Right. And you're like... It's jammed. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I grab the ripped
1: it out of my hands.
0: Rip the gun out of his hands. Rip the empty out. Yep. And I pull up on this mallard. And how far do you think that was? Because I say it was about seventy yards.
1: Yeah, over sixty. Okay. Past the point of of I should pull the trigger. I always flying, I always
0: like someone else's perspective flying, because in my mind straight
1: away from us. We were looking yeah. straight up its butthole. And so I just over turn and pull, yeah. and
0: this bird just folds. Yep. And hits the water. Yeah. And I was like It was amazing. I everybody looked at me like, how how did you do that? You're yep. not Tony. Like yeah. Tony makes those it's shots. A, you don't make those yeah. shots. But yeah, that was probably the best shot. Yeah. yeah was, Second best shot on a deck I've ever had. It's a gorgeous shot. So
1: Which brings us to ballistics. Brings us to ballistics. Us why us why to don't ballistics. you uh yeah. just break that open so, and share th- that? So this is uh see I told you they they'd come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so here's an excerpt. I'm gonna I'm gonna read just to set up the scene, and then we'll skip ahead. So, so this uh, the old man had just taken the boy out uh, on some quail hunting and got him got him shooting well on quail. Yep. And then so the next you know season, he's like, hey, let's let's go get on some ducks. So he brings the boy duck hunting, and before the hunt, the kid's getting all stoked. The boy's getting all stoked, and he says. Quote, you know, just because you know about this quail business now, the old man said, don't go thinking that the same thing applies to ducks. Quail are reflexes, like I told you. There isn't time to do any figuring. But ducks are ballistics. What's a ballistic, I asked him. The old man had a lot of big words. He liked to spring with no explanation, just waiting for me to ask him. He said curiosity was necessary to intelligence, and that curiosity never killed the cat. The cat died from stupidity, he said, or maybe an overdose off mice. A ballistic, he said, is sort of hard to explain. Let's see. I suppose you take the speed of a bird, and the angle of the flight, and the speed of the wind, and the direction of the wind, and the height of the bird and the size of the shot pattern and the speed of the shot or the strength of the powder and then you grind them all up in one mill and the right answer comes out. Maybe that ain't the book definition, but it's my definition. I can explain easier to you after you've missed a few ducks. So, fast forward, they've gone out duck hunting and the kid whiffs on his first group of mallards and then the the old man goes on his rant, so Picking back up. Make sure I found it here. Alright. Yes, sir, I said. But I remember that you weren't too sure about ballistics either. Give me some more ballistics. All this time I was thinking, damn ballistics, I missed that duck. That duck, as big as a turkey, as big as a house, and I don't know why. So now I get a lecture from the old man. The old man snickered a little bit more. I think I got this ballistics draw down to where you can understand it. I got it what they call reduced to its component parts. Let's say you're watering the lawn. Your cousin Roy runs through the backyard and you got the hose in your hand and all of a sudden you'd like to wet down your cousin Roy. He could probably use a bath, but let's not get personal. If if the kid is running against the wind, and you got a hose in your hand, and you want to wet him, you got to do several different things. One, you're pointing that hose. Two, you're figuring the wind. Three, you're figuring how fast is Roy running. So you know that the hose will squirt only so far before it bends backwards in the wind. You know that Roy can run only so fast. So if you're smart as I think you are, you point the hose somewhere ahead of Roy, Let the wind take the water stream backward, and then let Roy and the stream collide at the point you've already figured out. That's duck shooting. That's ballistics. Shot go from a gun like water out of a hose. The duck comes on like Roy is running. The shot goes one way like the water goes one way. The ducks go one way like Roy goes one way. And the wind adjusts the relationship between Roy and the water. Between the shot and the ducks, because shot always string out like water from a hose. And that is what we yell at each other in the duck flying all season long.
0: All the time.
1: Like water from hose.
0: And you, you read that to me, or I think you shared the audio yeah. portion of that with me. And I was immediately hooked on the book. Oh, it's a fantastic. And book. you said the whole book is full of this stuff. It is. And so now, it's so it re- I mean, there's so much wisdom in it. Yep. So much practical information that someone can, someone can learn from it. And he talks about even when a bird's dropping in or taking off, you know, when it's taking off, you right. lead it at the head. When right. it's dropping in, you aim at the tail. Yep. And because of the ballistics, right. you're going to connect yep. with it. When on it's one.
1: flying away from you, you shoot over it. Yep. When it's flying towards you, you shoot a little under it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Like that, water from a hose.
0: Like water from a hose. So, uh, yeah, that, that book... I can't recommend it enough. It's amazing, and so, the audiobook version of it is even better because oh yeah. if you like to read, that's awesome. You can read it, but yep. when you hear that old man's voice yep. as the narrator, I attempted
1: to do a little bit of an impression there of him. Just no, I it's could the tell. Only way I hear it now. Yeah. it's just that old man reading the book, and you just—it's so good.
0: But I, man, every chapter, I'm surprised at how much there is in there that I'm like, yeah. if that was explained to me when I was a kid. I feel like I would have been a better hunter faster. Oh, easily, yeah. Um yeah. so let's talk uh, a little bit about turkey hunting now because yes. that's the next season coming up. It is we're only ten
1: days. Another one of my favorites.
0: Two weeks away maybe. Yeah. Well, you you got me into turkey hunting. Yeah, on your face. I had the
1: beards right there.
0: I I went out one time turkey hunting with Drew. Right. And we had gobbles all around us, but we never had a shot opportunity, never even saw a turkey. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't see all the hype behind this. I don't know if I'm going to turkey hunt. Yeah. And then you were like, hey, you got to come out with me. Right. And I'm going to teach you about turkey hunting. Yeah. So you told me to get a diaphragm call. Right. Started practicing on that. Still not great at it. Yeah. You got me on a slate call.
1: Yep.
0: Still not great at that. Yeah. But we went and set up in a tree that had fallen down in a in a storm. Right. And we knew the general area where these turkeys were yep. on the property that we hunt the majority of the time. Did
1: we put them in bed the night before? I feel like we did. We did. I think it came out the night before, and we and we We went
0: out, but it was storming the night before, remember? That's and true. so we couldn't really hear them gobbling. That's true.
1: Yeah, we went around, and we tried to get them a shock off like a hundred different things and they wouldn't.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, we were yelling, we were slamming car doors, yeah. honking the horn. I mean, and there was just yeah. nothing in no response. Owl,
1: hoots nothing, yeah they didn't yeah,
0: I think it was just because of that storm. Yeah. They just weren't really talking a whole lot, but um yeah we we went out and we sat in this dead tree, had great view. I mean, this yeah. is right in front of where you deer hunt primarily, right, yeah, my favorite spot and we had a couple decoys set up, and there were gobbles, I think we heard seven different gobbles kind of in every direction from us. And so, well, yeah,
1: because that spot, you always hear them across the across the river. You'll hear a bunch, and you, those are just—they'll never work to you. they're no. Too far away. Plus, they—they they got across the river and the road. So and the road. Never seen, although I say that, but last year, when I had my buddy Ben out, we sat in the spot, worked those from over the river. They talked to us like crazy. Never came over. So we went up, checked those north. The north uh, timber pile. Well, and I had to leave to get to and work. You drove by and texted me, and you said, "Hey, I see the blind and all your decoys, and there's turkey everywhere. How come I'm?" Not and you were like,
0: shooting? "You were like, no, man, those aren't turkeys; those, those are the are decoys." Deepies. Yeah. And he had one. He had that oscillating. He uh, had the, turkey.
1: I had my my peep and Tom, and then he had his motorized. Uh, yeah,
0: so it kind of oscillates yeah. like a fan does, back and forth, and it's fully fanned out, so it looks like a turkey strutting. Right. And. I was like, no, it is not the decoys. Yep. I I looked at this bird in the eye from the road, yeah. and we it fanned out as I was driving, well, so I know it wasn't yep. a decoy. We
1: walked out of the woods, and sure enough, at that point, about three 400 yards away, we could see him. And I barely crawled within 200 yards of him, and then they finally spooked. And yep. I was just like, come on.
0: We were on those turkeys every day last yep. season. That but they the, were always on the other the side, side of the fence, fence yeah. and then finally, that's the one I ended up yep, taking. You finally,
1: got across the cross fence. Yeah. Anyways, so your first one. So the, the first time.
0: Yeah, we're sitting in the dead tree.
1: Base more or less same spot. Yeah. About fifty yards, sixty yards away.
0: Yeah, something like that, and we we heard all these gobbles, and then we saw two toms chasing each other. I mean, full yep. speed chasing each other down in the creek bottom. Yep. And you were like,
1: "Let's cool
0: go, dude! We can go after those." Yeah. And I was like does that work and you're like it might let's yeah. let's give it a try so we went after them and we get down in this river bottom you can't see 10 feet in front of you because no. it's springtime yeah. the foliage is crazy yeah, at that point and they're just gobbling back and forth with you every time you call yeah. we hear one of them calling back right. and we're like oh man like yeah. it's right here it's got to be at that point I figured we were about fifteen yards from it. Oh, there. he sounded so and loud. we could not see it at all. Yep. And you've got a little I don't yeah, know what brand Lincoln it is. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. But you basically can stick your hand up the butt, grab the stake, and walk behind it right. and mimic you being a turkey. Yep. And so he's calling back and forth. I'm I'm with there with the turkey. Yep. And then I heard you say There he is.
1: Yeah, I saw him jump up into about. There's a branch that was sticking up like what six feet. Yeah, probably six feet. And he jumped up onto that branch. Yeah,
0: and you shot. And he dropped. And I was like, "Holy cow!" I never even saw him until he fell. Mm -hmm. And I was like. Wait, was that legal? And you're like, I mean, yeah, he just jumped onto a branch. It wasn't yeah. like he was roosted. I didn't, yeah. and so I don't technically even technically it's legal. To it's legal hunters,
1: at least here in Missouri, but it's still like one of those fair chase things. Yeah, I don't it's like them. ground swatting yeah.
0: waterfowl right. once they've already landed. Yeah, which we can get into that. I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, yeah. if you're good enough at duck hunting to get them to land on the water, yeah. it's yep. fair game at that point. Although
1: lately, last few years, we've been we like to stand up and. Because they're easier, honestly. We learned our lesson. Oh, yeah. They're easier to shoot on the land or the takeoff, and so we usually try to get them to start. Yeah, to we off. don't shoot
0: them on the water often. No. Um, But, yeah, that yeah, one hopped so up. That one hopped up, one hopped up mm-hmm. and I was like, man, well, there's another one in here somewhere. Should we go after that? So we, we go across the other side of the creek, and then we walked across a field, into another chunk of woods. And I'm like, this is where they like to go a lot if they're not out in the field. And so we're walking through there and you were like,
1: hey, dude, there's turkeys right there. Yeah, there's two. And,
0: and I couldn't see, on. I couldn't see the body or anything. All I could right. see was the top of the head. And you said, dude, that one has a beard. Which I saw the beard.
1: thick foliage. So I couldn't see the beard too well, but I saw a beard. So I said, pull the trigger. So he goes,
0: that one's got a beard. Pull the trigger on that left one. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, granted my first time turkey hunting i don't even fully know what i'm looking for at this point but you're like that's the one so i pull up shoot it and you're like you got to go after it yeah because a lot of times i guess i haven't had them do it yet but you you can shoot them and and they'll run run away and so you have to go and maybe make a follow-up shot so i took off over there and it was dead oh super dead yeah and i'm like oh man i'm so pumped and i flip it over and this thing had a beard that was Three inches long, maybe. Oh, yeah,
1: and the one I shot, what's that? Eleven.
0: Yeah, that's that's got to be close to eleven.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so I was—I mean, I was super happy either oh, yeah. way, but there's also there's I was like, "How did you? How, did you actually see a beard? Because yeah. I don't see any way that you could see yeah. this beard. It
1: was so short. I had
0: my glasses on. Yeah. yeah there you go. So that was my first turkey hunt, yeah. and now I enjoy turkey hunting, but I have yet. To call a burden that I can shoot that like did it the traditional way, right? right. Like it's strutting, it's attacking your decoy, yeah. doing whatever. See,
1: but that's my fate my favorite part of turkey hunting is the is the communication aspect because you're talking with the animal the whole time. Like yeah. yes, you talk to ducks, you know, but you don't have a conversation with ducks. Yeah. And same with deer, you know, you can grunt and rattle, but you're not like talking with them. Like with turkey You'll call, and then you'll get, you know, if you're, you either talk to a hen or a tom, either one. And so you're talking to that hen, trying to get her pissed off to work her way to you so that that tom that you know is on her tail is going to follow. Or you get that tom worked up, but, you know, you're, you're having a full-on conversation. And it takes years to learn the verbiage and, you know, to learn the actual language of the turkey, which is just... So
0: fun. I couldn't believe how many different vocalizations they make. Yeah. It's like, in my gorgeous. mind, they, yeah. they gobble, right. and then the hens do, like, a chirp or a cluck or whatever yeah. you want to call it. But last year, when we were hunting out of that blind right there on the fence, yep. uh, the day after you and I and Ben you went out, I went out with Sam. And my buddy Sam, he actually shares the same name as my wife, Sam Matthews. Yeah. And we were sitting in the blind, that's turned into all kinds of weird texts that I get or he gets that aren't meant for him. Yeah. But anyways, I've called
1: your wife when I meant to call Sam before. Oh yeah. So I put them in my phone as Samantha and Sam that way. Well, Chris sent,
0: Chris sent Sam like Christmas pictures, Sam, the other Sam Sam Matthews that were meant for us. And he was like, yeah, those are beautiful pictures. (laughs) And Chris was like, Oh, (laughs) wrong, wrong guy. (laughs) Um, but anyways, I was in the blind with him and all those turkeys came back out, the ones that we saw the day before. Right. They came back out, and they came from me to you away. I mean, they were three yeah, to five feet right away on the, the on the other side yeah. of the fence. and But they were spitting and drumming, yeah. and it was so That's cool to hear and that. Noise. And I'm like, man, if they were just three feet oh, yeah. over this fence, yep. I could have blasted them. Yep. But it all worked out. I did end up getting a turkey, but I had to stalk it. Right. And... The stock's fun, too. The stock's stock's fun, but I feel like I won't get the itch for turkey hunting like you've got until I actually have one come in strutting, pissed off. Yeah,
1: because then you know, like, man, I talked that thing into me, and it is a blast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that I struggle with, I'm an Mm over-caller. I mean, I call all the time at everything, especially with duck hunting. I mean, I learned how to call for ducks, and so I'm like, I'm always on the call with turkeys they say you know if you call that much a lot of times it'll scare them off
1: yeah you call just enough to get them talking and then you respond yeah yeah
0: and a lot of guys uh that i've listened to they'll call and once it's within sight even if it's a long way off they just shut up right because it piques the curiosity of the bird like wait a minute Where's that other Tom in here? Like I don't right. want him in here with the hens.
1: No, and then you'll see they'll kind of lock up, and then they'll they'll talk back to be like, "Are you still there?" And you kind of answer them like, "Yeah, hey, I'm still over here." I'm yeah. Not, so I'm that's not the
0: that's the art form that I need to figure tail. out. Yeah. But it's going to be more hunting with people like you, other seasoned people that have done right. it long enough, that can be like Dan, just shut up for right. five seconds, and yep. maybe they'll come in. But I'm pumped, man. We've got a lot of turkeys on camera, especially out at that property. What uh You've had a couple here on camera, yeah. Not and a then ton.
1: One walked through the front yard, just a lonesome hen walk through the front yard. Oh, nice. But, but that's it, yeah. I don't know if this is gonna be a good turkey spot or not. It probably won't. Yeah.
0: But I feel like wood, like being in the woods hunting turkey, would also get me oh, really yeah, excited about it.
1: We used to do it at my dad's place, and that was because there was a great. Flock down there, and you could go sit in the woods and and get them. I usually sat on the edge of the woods, of course, because they'd come out and into the field to strut. But
0: well, you had one that did it hit you?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I it was in the woods. I was sitting maybe twenty yards uh, off, up against my back to a tree, off the tree line, and was talking to this one time, and I heard him pick up come closer to me, so I shut up, and I heard him land behind me, and so I was trying to slowly turn around to look for him, and then he got close enough, I could hear him drumming, and I look around, I went left around the tree, and you know, it took me like freaking five minutes to get moved around this tree to look to my left, just my head too, you know, I wasn't even moving my whole body, and didn't see him, so then I slowly start turning back to my right to look the other way, and it turns out he was literally right next to me looking at me and we scared the shit out of each other and then he just took off and hit me with his wing and then by the, before I knew what was up he was you know 30 feet in the air flying away and I was just like dang it yeah <laughs> I turned the wrong way that stinks but stings. that was a really fun one cause yeah I got to have that conversation with him came all the way in got to hear him drum but yeah that's my best missed story on a turkey
0: they they sound like an Apache when they take off. Yeah, they I really mean, do. I remember last year, we had just finished up a turkey hunt, and we got back to the car. We parked at that gate right by the pond, and we're loading up our guns, putting them in the cases, putting them in the truck, and all of a sudden, this hen flies five feet over the truck. Yeah. She must have, like, just popped out of the woods, taken off, and flew right over us. I mean, I feel like if I had a long enough stick, I could have just whacked her out of the sky. Yeah. But you can't no. shoot hens in the spring. Yeah. Um, but man, that scared the daylights out of me. I mean... It will. They're so loud. But yeah, I'm excited for the turkey hunt this year. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, yeah. We've got so many birds out there, man.
1: Yeah, at your old place at Tim's. Yeah, so the property we used to hunt, you should, I don't know if you've let people know, that... Uh... You moved away, yeah. When you moved, another buddy of ours started renting it right after you. So we still have it in the, in the quote unquote family.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, it it really is the best hunting property that I've been able to hunt around here, and really the property that I hunted on was only, seven or that I lived on was only seventy acres, but there was an adjacent hundred and sixty, yeah, and so altogether it was two hundred and thirty acres, right, and we could hunt the whole thing we had yep. we were given permission to put up stands, make right. blinds do whatever improvements to we want us, yeah. but we have to clear everything with the cattle farmer because right. he runs cattle out there yep. um but it's cool because you know in communication with him he'll let me know if he's seeing coyotes or seeing big deer right um but the biggest thing is like last year i asked him hey do you mind if instead of putting beans in this one chunk of field if i if you still till it or whatever right. and then i'll plant a food plot and he's like man i'm already putting a food plot in for you yeah i'm putting on putting in like 60 acres of beans right and i was like yeah yeah i know but once those beans are gone like i want something else which i heard like turnips and radishes are a great late season yeah. food source for deer and so i'd like to turn something out there right. into that kind of late season food plot for them yeah that way because, I mean, you really can see once the beans are out, the deer quit using it and they move right. across that fence where we always see the turkeys yep. and they pick the corn, yeah, the corn on that side. Yeah. But I'm hoping one of these years he just plants corn. Yeah, I know. It'd be great. Because I don't think we've had to, a cornfield there at I don't all. Know
1: how he gets away with beans every year
0: without... Literally every year. And yeah. I'm like, the properties are right next to each other. He plants on both of them. Yeah. I would think he's... Yeah, Got to do some through. yeah, mm-hmm. some type of rotation because the yeah. corn would grow better at that point.
1: Yep.
0: Um, right. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll do some more food plot work this year and maybe try some hinge cutting out there even. Yeah. We just kind of stay away from that northwest corner. That's the deer sanctuary. Yeah, it is. And they hang out in there all the time. We just hunt the edge. I mean,
1: yeah, we have stands edge on the edge edges
0: of yeah. it uh, yeah. because yeah. we know they transition through there. Yeah. So... We'll see what this year holds as far as food plots go. Yeah. We tried last year. It didn't really take that no. well, though. We, we
1: That one year, we the original plot produced for three years. That oh, it was amazing. Great. And then we expanded that same food plot, and then it didn't do what we necessarily wanted.
0: No, it, it worked really well in the shade.
1: Yeah. Which where the original plot was. This yeah.
0: mix of seed was supposed to be for everything because it had right. and 10 different types did, of plants in it. We did all clover years past. Yeah, so. we did all clovers before, yeah. but this was a mix. And then we tried to put a screen on the, right. on the edges of it, but it seemed like the entire thing turned into a tall grass right. screen, which was great. I mean, they yeah, bedded, they in, bedded there. in there. I've had multiple does on camera right in front, right, like bedding down five yards in front of the trail camera. And uh, I know they use that as an area to hide their fawns in the spring. Yeah. I've got plenty of pictures. Um, and it's cool to see... I mean, did you guys run trail cameras at your dad's place?
1: No, we never did. We literally just... He, my dad was in the woods non-stop, so we didn't need to. Yeah. He put more hours on that property than, than all of us combined. There was the one... That huge when we dragged up the tr- the hill, though, that night, I had worked that one stand a couple nights in a row. Same kind of story. Been busted. But was like, man, I know he's in there. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to move to the other corner and sit in it that night. So I text my dad and I said, hey, when I get off work, that stand's mine. And I got home and... I go, hey, Mom, where's Dad? And he was like, uh, oh, he's in the stand. And you could see all the way down in there, because we left binoculars on the back porch, and I could see his orange, and he was in my stand. And I was like, screw you, man. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I texted you and said he was like, hey, early bird gets the worm. I was coming for <laughs> you. And sure enough, like 20 minutes later, I hear the shot go off. And then he got this monster, and I was like, that was my deer, man. That was a good deer, man. I know. I mean, it was a really good deer. That was a funny one. Bigger
0: than anything, I was expecting to be pulled out of that plot. Yep. that
1: was a great deer.
0: Well, yeah, I think think the trail cameras for me really switched my love of archery back to number one. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there. Or
0: to whitetail hunting, because it's it's like... You know, with ducks, you're not tracking ducks. You're just shooting ducks that might not even be from the same country that you are. Right. But But with... I do enjoy
1: what we've done the last couple years with ducks, which is, you know, close to cameras, is going in, going out on like a Friday after work and putting a couple hours out on the boat. Yep. Just trying to find them and then find the spot and then saying, hey, I know where they're at. And we go out the next Saturday and have a good morning. But that's just, if my wife knew how much money ducks cost. Oh, yeah. I would never. Oh, it's the most expensive meat yeah. I've ever eaten. Yeah. Driving an hour and 20 minutes to the lake, putting two, three hours on the boat, driving home, driving back the very next morning, boat right back out. But yeah. What? Well, Shot I, shells. It's just.
0: I tell people all the time, like. I, I have people on social media ask me, like, what what tips do you have for a new hunter? What's the number one right. thing you need to know as a new hunter? And I tell everybody the same thing, scouting. Yeah, If you can scout and yep. figure out where, whatever game you're going after, whether it be ducks or turkey or deer, rabbits, squirrels, whatever, yeah. if you can figure out where they are, yep. that's going to be more valuable than anything else.
1: Oh, yeah, that's you could have the best blind and decoy set up. $2,000 in camo. Yeah, and, and everything, regardless of species. And just, if you're not in the right spot, you're not in the right spot. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so when you started scouting last year heavily, I mean, before yeah. we just kind of knew this is the area that we yeah, hunt. Yeah, these are the
1: good spots-ish. We go
0: back to the same spot every year. Yep. But now it's like we actually put in the work and go out and scout before. Yep. Because it changes every week where those birds are.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, especially on those big reservoirs because there's a hundred different coves from the pick
0: yep yeah that's where i mean we've got
1: the the one spot where it's a diver sanctuary but it's just because it's on that whole southern fork of the lake it's the best spot for divers so you know you're gonna get you know the divers but as far as puddle ducks go you gotta get out and put some hours on an outboard
0: yep well yeah i'm i'm thankful that you started doing that last year because yeah. Last year, even with the limited hunts that we had, I feel like we had more we success. Did, yeah, we did
1: good. So, except for that one at Palm de Terre, about an hour pulling the cord on the outboard.
0: Yep, I just had Ben on the show.
1: Oh, nice! Did he tell
0: the story? We, I don't remember if we talked uh, fully about that, yeah. but yeah, we had people that were putting first. in. I mean, it was an evening hunt, yeah, and we went out there with plenty of time to where we could hunt for a couple hours. Oh, yeah, and we got out there, put the boat in. And then there were other hunters that showed up, and they yeah. put their boats in, Launched. took off, and came back. And yeah. we were still in the same spot yes. trying to get that motor yeah. to run.
1: Well, my sh- my shoulder was sore for three days. Oh, I bet.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised the rope didn't break, because we've had other yeah. days like that where yeah, we pull it so many rope. times, yeah. and the, the rope just snaps this on was us. The
1: new, this was the new motor.
0: New motor, yes. new rope, we're yeah. ready to go. Yeah, and, and yeah, that was Ben's first yep. disappointing duck hunt. One okay. of many. Yeah. Well, sorry. That was no, the second duck hunt.
1: Second, and that's it. That's all he had, right? That year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this year we'll get him out.
0: Yeah. he. Yeah. We talked quite a bit about him being a new hunter, and he's like, man, I'm just eager to learn. Like, he's super right. thankful that he's now connected with a group of guys where he nice. can learn all this stuff, because yeah. he didn't have anybody teaching him growing up. Right. No hunters, really, in his family. Yeah. So.
1: Well, that's, that's a, another question to ask is uh which you know don't answer but uh why we hunt, what is it that draws us to hunt? Kind of the you know the philosophy behind it. And so there's uh another another book I'd highly recommend for everyone is Meditations on Hunting by uh Ortego E. Gossett. And uh he's a philosopher who's also a hunter. Uh, or was long, long since dead. But uh, he's got a few things, and, and I wanted to, to read some of this just to get people kind of stoked and thinking about that. Because that's, you know, why do you do it? Especially in today's climate of, you know, Anti-hunting anti hunting sediment anywhere yeah. you go. Exactly. And, uh, and so I, this is just. Fantastic. So this is uh, this is actually part of the the guy who translated the book because uh, he's uh, French, if I remember correctly, um, and so it was translated. And so this is the translator writing about him and quoting him. And then there is one little quote I could read too from uh, from Ortega himself. But uh, so this is the the translator quote. Since our instincts no longer plan our lives for us, and since we always, even when acting irrationally, somehow account for what we do, creating an activity is reasoning in the face of life's emptiness and insecurity. Thus, reasoning, either by choosing or creating, is synonymous with living. Ortega called this idea the doctrine of vital reason, also referred to as historical or living reason, And it brings us to the keystone of his philosophy, the statement, Yo soy yo y mi circumstantia. I am, I and my surroundings. Life is the dynamic interchange between the individual and his surroundings. And his surroundings include his own emotional and intellectual response to life's problems. Thus, knowledge for Ortega is knowledge of how to act, knowledge of what to hold to, and pay attention to, in the face of life's demands, which is you know might be over some folks' heads, but
0: it's a little bit of a change from the old man and the boy. Right, right. But, uh, but it's
1: it's worth a read. Oh yeah. And so, uh, so here's just a quick part on on this is the uh, the first chapter. Also, all these books are just filled with gorgeous artwork. I mean, look at look at this one, Dan. Of just some, some redheads hanging. Just man, gorgeous artwork. So even if you buy these books just for the artwork, it's worth it. But, uh, so here's, here's Ortega himself. But the occupation of hunting, as carried on by a good hunter, involves precisely all those things. I didn't want to read all that. It's too long. So, anyways, precisely all those things. It's not a matter of his happening to go into the fields every once in a while with his rifle on his shoulder... Rather, every good hunter has dedicated a part of his existence, it's not important how much, to hunting. Now, this is a more serious matter. Diversion loses its passive character, its frivolous side, and becomes the height of activity. For the most active thing that a man can do is not simply to do something, but to dedicate himself to doing it. Other living beings simply live. Man, on the other hand, has not given the option of simply living. He can and must dedicate himself to living, which is to say that he must hand over his life, or parts of it, deliberately and under his untransferable responsibility to specific occupations. Dedication is the privilege and torment of our species, and it happens that many men of our time have dedicated themselves to the sport of hunting. Furthermore, throughout universal history, from Samaria and Acadia, Assyria, and the first empire of Egypt, up until the present now unraveling, there have always been men, many men, from the most varied social conditions, who dedicated themselves to hunting out of pleasure, will, or affection. Seen from this point of view, in its authentic perspective, the topic of hunting expands until it attains enormous proportions. Consequently, aware that it is more difficult matter than it seems at first, I ask myself, what the devil kind of an occupation is this business of hunting? Wow. Exactly. That,
0: is, that sums it up so well. Yep. Like, to actually have to dedicate yourself yep. to the sport that we love. Right. And it's not just a matter of going out and just doing it. Like, you are dedicating yourself to it, which is why when we talk about food plots and trail cameras and scouting, like, it's part of us.
1: Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, but the occupation of hunting as carried on by a good hunter involves precisely all those things. It is not a matter of his happening to go into the fields every once in a while with his rifle on his shoulder. Rather, every good hunter has dedicated a part of his existence. To hunting. I'm that's gonna have to fantastic. borrow that book from you, man. It's so good, dude. That's it's so good.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm not big into reading. I don't read yeah. often, but like when it comes to outdoor books, yeah I, I told Sam, I was like, the books that I've read are like all the Jack London books. Oh yeah, they're great. you know, yeah. like White Fang, Call yeah. of the Wild, yeah. um what's the one? Uh To Start a Fire? Is that what it's called? Uh, there's one, it's something yeah. along those lines, um, but those, those books, they pique my interest in that one about philosophy of yeah. hunting. Medi-
1: Meditations on Hunting by Ortega Egas. You'll put these in the notes or something. Yeah. To, for people.
0: Yeah, I'll add them in there, that way people can yeah. refer back to so them good. and buy a book and yeah. check it out. Yeah. I heard it, I heard it put one way, um, someone was asked about hunting and why you hunt, and I've actually given this answer now. Yeah. They said, "If you think about it, aside from procreating, yeah, what is the one thing that we have done as a human race for our entire existence? Yeah, hunt and gather. Hunt and gather. Yeah, and that's why there's right something about it that I feel like it's in.
1: He gets ev- into that, yeah, for sure. He just, yeah, it's so I could if part of me was like, damn, we should just read a book." Like, just, I'll just read this whole book. There you like, it's go. so good. We dude.
0: should. We'll just do yeah. an, another podcast yeah. about all the hunting books, right. and we'll just narrate them oh, all dude. the way through.
1: It's so good. That's what the one, if you're just in uh, anything by Frank Forrester. He, he put out, like, three or four. He was, like, the, the godfather of wildlife uh, literature, of hunting literature. And uh, his actual name was Henry William Herbert. Uh, he actually, oddly enough, didn't really like writing about hunting, loved hunting, but, like, did it at first just to get, uh, make enough money so that he could write about other stuff. Oh, okay. But he ended up just selling out of everything he did as far as hunting literature went, and so the, my shooting box is a great place to start, and again, just the artwork is freaking amazing if anything i mean look at that just yeah beautiful is woodcock. that yeah you i was gonna say it looks like a woodcock yeah and this one is not this one is early era uh americana so this was you know he he was out of new york uh let's see i'm trying to remember the original uh pressing of the book was uh also some of these books are really hard to find and kind of expensive so sorry if i put you in this blame me when your wives are like you spent how much on a freaking book but uh oh the i don't remember what year this one was
0: i feel like my problem That's with reading bit, is whenever i have time to read it's at night when i'm laying in bed right. and then you i just fall asleep
1: fall asleep yeah. <clears throat>
0: And that's why I do a lot of the audio because right. then I can pop them in when I'm working or, you know, doing whatever was, and just listen to them.
1: I want to say it was around the, like, uh, the Great Depression, which, I mean, that was, we can kind of thank the Great Depression for a lot of what hunting is today because, because of that, it became a great, you know, pastime for so many people. But just if you're wanting to read fun stories, uh, It's, you know, quasi-old English. Not really, it's just, you know, they talked differently 100 years ago than we do now, but it's not like you're reading Shakespeare or anything. But, but like, uh, this is him talking about shooting uh, him and a buddy woodcock hunting, or technically they're fictional characters. But, uh, steady now, Fred, said Archer coolly. These birds will rise, it is ten to one, very awkwardly, "'For they are in, very, in the very middle of the dogs. "'Stand where you are, and I will flush them. "'Never mind me, I want you to get the shots today.' "'And he stepped up toward the shot, "'who was rather the nearest of the three to himself, "'the other standing nigher to Henage. "'that was one of the guys, "'in such a direction as to drive the bird, "'if possible, out towards his friend. "'But he had judged rightly, "'for the bird lay extremely hard, "'being in fact directly under the dog's nose, "'and seeing him, "'so that he was in fact afraid to rise.' When Harry was, however, on the point of treading upon him, he flirted up almost in his face and flew off a dozen yards towards Hennage, when he twisted off short to the left again and made a dozen quick zigzags among those close saplings, very much in the manner of the English tech snipe, beating round towards Archer's rear. Hennage fired his first barrel at him just as he turned the first time and missed him clean the whole of his charge splintering the brushes two feet wide of the bird and nearly a foot above him as he turned. He was endeavoring to follow and cover him for a second shot when the other bird, flushed by the report, rose before Sancho, giving him what he had not been embarrassed between the two would have been a very fair shot. Catching sight of it, suddenly he altered his aim and discharged his remaining barrel. Meantime, Archer, perceiving that he had quitted the first bird, which had by the time got a good way off and was pitching high and wild toward the end of the wood by which they had entered, raised his gun very coolly. The cock was diving at the moment he leveled his piece through his exceedingly thick growth of young saplings, which had been laid by the snow and would have almost turned his shot had, then, had he then fired, but his quick eye had once detected an opening in the brick a few yards in advance, which, although not above six feet in breadth, The bird must cross in a moment. As his wing glanced against the sky, the trigger was drawn, the gun flashed, and a cloud of feathers streaming downwind, and the bird still impelled forward, though quite dead, by the rapidity of his past flight, told how correct he had been the accurate, although instinctive, aim of the cane sportsman. Just beautiful word pictures. Gosh. I can just. I
0: can. Visualize everything as you're reading it. Yeah,
1: it's just gorgeous word picture. So when you're in the like stuck wherever and you're just like, oh man, you literally can be transported straight to the woods and just be hunting with these guys. That is, yeah,
0: yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I definitely am gonna start reading or listening to these books. I
1: didn't bring any more. I didn't want to bore us with. Too much I'm kind of
0: curious play. what the listeners are going to think of it. Yeah, if I know. it's going to be I like was okay, too. like I, dude,
1: get this dude to shut up. Man. Well,
0: I, I posted yeah. the picture or the logo of the podcast right. on a bunch of Facebook plat or Facebook pages yeah. for hunters, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for more feedback. Yeah, and everybody's been amazing. Now I'm over hundred five star reviews, nice. or ratings. But I had one person that was like, I've got a short attention span. This is too drawn out. Oh, I can't nice. listen to you it. And I was like, like yeah. he, "He's not gonna like this no. one." But yeah, screw you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to somebody else. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think people probably are gonna enjoy that. Oh, I mean, I enjoyed listening if to.
1: Go read them yourselves. Yeah,
0: them. read them, yeah. listen to them, do yeah. whatever you need to. But dude, thanks for bringing those books and thanks for being on the podcast, oh, yeah.
1: man. Well, I've got plenty more. We can we can do more excerpts if we need. If yeah. On another episode, of course. Yeah. Well,
0: I had talked to you about being my podcast co host. Right, right. And so, depending on your schedule coming up, we might have to uh, start doing like split podcasts where you and I sit and talk yeah. and you can read more excerpts and then yeah. we'll interview someone else or sit down right. and have a conversation together with yep. them.
1: That's, I think, my passion is just talking to people about like just the philosophy behind it. It's the, the, the thrill of the hunt, as you know, the, the fair chase, which that's another book to read is Fair Chase. Yep. Uh, that one's fantastic. Um, I've got that kinda, one sitting by my right hand. It's super good. If you have read uh, Renella's uh, American Buffalo, uh, parts of it might feel redundant because it does delve a lot into the massacring of the buffalo, just because that's such an important part of the hunting heritage in oh, yeah. America. But uh, but the rest of it, if you, you know, if you haven't read American Buffalo, you could almost read this, not to just shoot down Rennell's book, but you could just read this and you'll get everything that you would have got. I don't
0: think he's hurting American on Buffalo. sales. Yeah, no, but
1: read both. There you go, Steve, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: if, if Steve ever listens yeah, to this. Yeah. Like,
1: screw that, dude. Yeah. I'm like,
0: hey, dude, let me join the Meat Eater yeah. crew, and he's just like, no, dude, you totally no. trash talk my yeah. book.
1: No, it's a great book, but, but uh, read them in tandem, and then... Only parts of it will be redundant, but yeah, I just love talking with people about the methodology. Meth, the methodology. methodology, thank you. And uh, that's and, the biggest word I've ever used. Yeah, there you go. And their their passion and and why they they do what they do, you know, as opposed to because there's a handful of people that just want to go shoot everything, and that's you know not necessarily into that. If that's what you're into, then. You know, oh, we've got a couple buddies like that. Yeah, but I've always been more into the. With the exception of the ducks that I like to hang for a few weeks, you know, I like to try to <clears> use <throat> everything off the animal. Dude,
0: I could not believe when we breasted those geese out. It right. was a full month yep. and a few days after season had ended. Yep. But we shot them the second to last day right, of goose, of goose season. season. And you kept saying. Oh, no, man, we're going to let them hang. We're yeah. going to let them hang. Yeah. And they did. And every week we'd be up here for guys' night. Yeah,
1: and you were like.
0: And everyone's like, dude, those things are going to be so rank. Yeah. And then we cut them open, and you're like, just wait. Yeah. Once you feel the breast, you're going to realize it's still cold. Yeah. And I'm cold, like, dude, there's been tender, a couple, like, 70-degree days. nutty nutty. You, you took that first breast out and yep. handed it to me, and I smelled it, and it smelled, yeah, sweet and nutty. Yeah.
1: That one, the second bird, the one breast kind of turned a little bit. I think there's some pressure on that one. But
0: well, yeah, I think the first yeah. the first one that we breasted was a clean headshot yeah. on it. The and second, the second one, one had some yeah, pellets. if we would have
1: pulled him like a week earlier, that one would have still been perfect. But, yeah. I mean, I still saved the one breast yeah. Way, but the
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, when you're shooting at ducks, or, ducks or geese, any bird, right. if they're flying towards you and you hit the breast... Yeah. Sometimes you just can't save both of them. Yep. You can yep. cut little pieces yeah, off exactly. here and there, but, but that's. But no, that,
1: that one, because we had three hanging, and one I, I breasted, and was like, these should go. Just a few more days, and then that. Uh, yeah. Yep.
0: So well, and you've you've let them hang until they've fallen. You hang them from their head.
1: That's what the English used to do. Yeah, they they'd string up a clothesline at the beginning of season, hunt that day, string them up by their necks and then uh, go out and hunt the next day, and the next day, and and they keep stringing up their their fresh harvests, and then they would pick up the ripe ones, as they said. Nice. The the bodies would separate, the head would still be on the line, the bodies would fall. And that's when they knew that the the breasts would be ripe. And so it's a great way to salvage diver meat. If you're not a big fan of diver ducks and you're turning them into dog food, quit doing that. Hang them, don't take them a month, like you know, you don't need to do that. But you know, if anything, hang them for, for four or five days, and, uh, and you'll be surprised at how delicious that meat gets.
0: Well, I know we've, we've done that with deer in the yeah. past not hang them until their head comes off, nope, but, but like hang
1: them an extra day. Well, you well, know, I turn my fridge into the dry ager, and then I'll quarter yeah. them and throw all the quarters and let them age in the, in the fridge with a little fan. Right about 50 degrees for about 12 days. I like yeah. those quarters sitting there.
0: And well, in Wisconsin, I mean, typically when we're deer hunting in Wisconsin, like the season I go up for yeah. is the week around Thanksgiving. So it starts the Saturday before and goes to the Sunday after.
1: Yeah.
0: And there were plenty of times where we'd shoot deer and we'd hang them out on the edge of the clothesline like that. Right. Um, just on a big post and we'd let them hang for days and days. Yeah. Before we did anything hey, no, with it. No, it
1: tenderizes. It it gives a chance for, for all those, uh, all those rigor chemicals to leach back out of the meat and. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna try more of that this year. Typically, I
1: don't let water touch your meat either. Everyone freaking cleans their meat off. Just vacuum seal it, and you can give it a quick little clean before you finally cook it. I mean, unless there's, if you gut shot something, you'll want to rinse it off right away, but, but don't just dunk. you know, we used to quarter deer and then you'd throw it right in the cooler with ice water and throw some salt in there and let it sit for a few days. But I quit doing that just because the, that's a perfect place for bacteria to grow. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's not, it, you'll encourage some bacteria growth on the, on, on, inside the meat, not just on the the outside but and if you let it sit even in in ice water for a week that water will go green yeah you know maybe a little longer than a week but yeah if you get gut on your meat give it a quick rinse and then dry it off as fast as you can with some paper towels yep. and
0: yeah and that's what we've done i mean if yeah. there's an excess amount of blood on the meat we'll rinse it yeah. off and then you immediately pat dry it with the paper right. towel Yeah,
1: get that water off there
0: but one thing that i had never done. Uh, is while cleaning meat we uh-huh. when i shot chopsticks that little spike yeah. deer out yeah. out of my old place we were skinning it and and processing the meat and he yeah. just shaved a couple pieces off right there and we tried the raw meat oh
1: yeah dude yeah tartar yeah, yeah it's good stuff i had never done that before yeah. and i was like wow this is surprisingly no, good. good yeah some that uh, just a Little sliver of some tenderloin. That's that's freaking. Delicious. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend no. eating a whole steak that way. Don't do do it now, but eat a little nibble and it's it's something to get you through the the skinning and quartering process. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well dude, I'm looking forward to doing more podcasts with you and especially when your dad comes up. Yeah. We will do, do like yeah. all four cookboys. Yeah that'll be fun. We'll sit down and do a podcast with them because there are plenty more stories oh, yeah. from out of your dad's old place. Yep. But that and getting you guys out on that elk hunt, we need to figure out what it's going to take and make it happen. So, now at this point, uh, I just did a podcast with Tony about all of this. And we didn't know who all was coming. So, at that point, it was just me, Tony, and his dad, Louis. Nice. And now Drew's coming. So, he's going to bring a pop up camper. He's bringing his big twin axle flatbed trailer. So, he's going to pull his camper onto the trailer. And then he's going to pull the side-by-side on, on as well. Nice. And so he's going to come out with that stuff as well as the wall tent.
1: Nice.
0: Um, the one that we use at the White Trash the one, Bash. Yeah,
1: the <laughs> that's funny.
0: We, I don't think we've talked about the White Trash Bash on oh, here. Well, we yeah. need to share about that real quick. That's, oh, okay, yeah. So we started, what, 15 years ago?
1: Long time. Well, I mean, what, two years ago we did the, it was, we called it the ten year anniversary but we had a few gap years and stuff but i mean at that well point before we that because
0: we had done it well, started included, out as the blow stuff up party that included the blow stuff oh it up did years. okay so, so so we're at 12 years then ish roughly That's so we started out with the blow stuff up we were party
1: in college when we did the first one that blow stuff up party so
0: and that what that started out as is we were just going to blow random stuff up so out near dad's backfield yeah. we would put Ref, not TVs, refrigerator's TVs, DCRs, microwaves, whatever, things yeah. like that. And we would just blow them Fight up. Bombs. And then we would do a civil war style Roman, Roman candle Kandola war. And war. Yep. And so we'd line up, everybody would light it, the first shots would go off and then it was mayhem yeah, that after that, into chaos, but yeah. And then it evolved.
1: We did the because ca- that one of those years was the year we started doing the cannon. We turned the oh, fence yeah. post driver into a gunpowder cannon we'd launch uh, stuff. Way of cans, in the air. cans, typically. yeah. But then we started, me and my dad, that one year, started launching walnuts at everybody during the Roman Candle War. Yep. Which then we were like, maybe that was a bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I mean, yeah. hundreds of miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, freaking like walnut projectiles. Yeah. But
0: so then it it went from that to when I got property or when I lived yeah. out there, um, we started doing it out there, right. and that's when it really evolved well, into that, something the first major. Year,
1: First year we did it at your place, you just killed that boar, so we smoked the yep. the boar, which turned out freaking delicious.
0: I'm going to post and a video of, do you remember last year, the ribs? Yes. Pulling the ribs out, yeah. literally just grabbing them one at a time, yeah. and they were clean as can well, be. Well, we
1: definitely got better at our smoking over the last yeah 10 years. But, yeah, that we borrow a buddy's big smoker, and we can fit a whole pig in it, and we'll do the whole pig. Yeah. Yep.
0: I'll never forget, though, that first ham that we smoked it was just right. brown sugar salt and cayenne pepper
1: yeah i cheat on pork by using brown sugar but it creates a hard candy shell it just locks everything oh it's in. unbelievable it's so good. Good.
0: yeah but so the white trash bash then yeah. Turn it, or that's what cool it turned bus, into yeah, one year driving so around through the field it was called that. the white trash succotash bash for a long time yeah which we still call time. It that i guess yeah, yeah. but it and,
1: gets shortened to shorthand's white trash bash but it's still technically white trash suck, tash bash Yep. which almost got taken away from us
0: it will never get no, taken away we we're not we politically decided, correct right, in decided, our friend group on our properties right, at all
1: we decided we wouldn't but
0: but that it blew up that year i mean yeah. that was like the biggest deal that we had seen we had over 200 people that showed up yeah my wife and i were renovating that camper right or renovating a school bus bus into a camper. And I remember Drew came up to me and he's like, dude, do you mind if I take people for a ride in the back 40 on the school bus? And I was like, go for it, man. So basically, a real quick way to describe this event is it's as redneck as it gets in every facet. And people just get together and we celebrate the 4th of July. It's always on the 4th of July. We go out frog gigging a few nights before. Yeah. We get our limit of frogs. Yeah. We, we raise a pig. We raise a pig. Uh kill the pig, butcher it, right. put it on the smoker. And so the night before we go frog gigging, we get the smoker started. Yeah, and then we, we use just the
1: pig first stinking twenty hours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We we sleep outside we and we just check on the pig.
1: Eighty pounds of sucketash.
0: Yep. We just have there. a big like three eighths inch right piece of steel. Yeah. And we put that over an open flame yep. and cook Succotash on it. Yep. We have frog legs. Uh, we've done deer, dove. Right. Um, do all sorts of Anything meat. you can imagine, we just do a bunch of different meats. And it's kind of cool because a lot of the people that come now are hipsters that, you know, right. maybe have never had wild game meat. Yep. And so that's their first introduction to it. Yep. And they realize it's actually that's a really delicious. good food. Yeah. And we've had people talk about wanting to go out hunting just right. because we share the food with them yeah. before we ever introduce them yeah. to the sport. But anyways, Drew was out on in that school bus, oh, and I remember looking back at one point, and they were on top of the school bus. There was a little six-foot ladder right. that they propped up under the emergency hatch on the roof, yeah. climbed up, and then they were throwing clays off of the school bus and shooting them with shotguns right. as we went. yeah, Or they as driving. they went. Yeah. And I mean it. it was so just sort of, crazy. Yeah. I mean, ev- anything do, goes.
1: We do the speech. We live music. Every, every hour day. on the hour. Yeah, we do. Oh yeah, my country tis every hour. Yep. Yeah. We do the big speech at the end. This last two years, we did the uh, the fifty the fifty gun salute state by state. Yep. Yeah, we throw in a few extra for Missouri. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, you do your big speech. Yeah.
0: Towards the end. And we shoot a bunch of fireworks off and i have we've had live bands now
1: of the the school bus year of speech someone yep. has the the one year me and Tim were on horseback and i gave the speech from horseback while he rode around patriot style with a giant american flag and circles around me while i delivered the speech which was hilarious i wasn't there so yeah, i've only missed
0: i've missed one white trash psychotash bash in yeah. all the years it's gone on and it was the year that I was in Colorado but right. the last one not this past year but the year before I actually flew back just to be at the at the bash yeah so um, but we've had now live bands yep we've had sponsors a yeah, couple times
1: we did get some sponsors um but yeah it's we a good time bring in porta potties
0: Yep, yeah, porta potties, bounce houses for the yeah, kids. Bounce houses. And I've actually had people, one of my most recent podcast guests, Jackson, yeah, he's like, Oh man, have you heard about this place? It's that's up right. in Fair Grove. Yeah, and like all these know. people get together. It's called the White Trash Suckatash Bash. I'm like, First of all, it's in
1: Bodark.
0: It's not in Fair Grove. <laughs> it's out in Bodark. Yeah. And that's the thing that we started. Yeah. I mean, but people from all over the area oh, yeah. have now heard about it and shown up. Yep. But it's definitely it's turned good. into yeah, a more like family-friendly cool. event. Yeah, we we reserve the cannon no, and the fireworks for out in the field right. and not We're near safe. everybody. We
1: have an actual firearms zone for only sober people. Yep, only sober yeah. people. Yeah, we've we've had to get smart about it, and also we have to start planning it in uh, in like February, March now every year because financially, it's freaking like a. $2,000 shindig. Yeah, so, it's a big
0: deal. Yeah. So we all kind of pitch in here and there.
1: Yeah.
0: Now we're going to have a pig. Uh, right. I've got them at my house right now, but yeah. I'm going to bring one over here in the next couple days. Right. You've got a, a spot to yeah, raise it down. now. And so that's going to be our pig for the White Trash Bash this year. Yeah, maybe. Did I tell you the ones that were born last year? They're just over a year old. He butchered one of them when I was gone in Colorado the other weekend. Yeah. He butchered it, and it was 311 pounds as a one-year-old. Dang. So I always thought that the big boar and the females were around 350. It turns out they're actually closer Close to 500. Five, or yeah. I think the boar is probably pushing six. Good Lord. So we've got plenty of pig meat yeah. moving forward. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that this year. We're going to have to do a night before podcast on yeah. that one, too. So anyways, man, we won't draw this out any longer. Yeah, well but how
1: long are we gone? Did we go too long?
0: Hour and forty five minutes oh, almost. Shoot.
1: Sorry for the long podcast, game. No, man, I think this is awesome.
0: Yeah. I but look at Joe Rogan, man. He yeah, makes eight hundred thousand an episode yeah. and he's got like four hour it's long true. podcasts. It's true. I'm not we kept it under two. And we didn't trash talk Joe Rogan. No, we didn't. Just Steve podcast. Yeah, just <laughs> Steve, we didn't even <laughs> trash <start> talk <laughs> no. Steve
1: Brunella. I said if you read both books, one might feel redundant. That's yeah.
0: it no he's a good dude and I would love to meet him one day Most be definitely. on a podcast with him yes that'd be awesome so anyways thanks guys for listening thanks again Brad for no, being here thanks for having me I know you don't do social media a whole ton
1: no I don't I don't think I have any right now
0: oh okay well yeah. I was gonna say if you have any place that people can like no. follow along yeah what doing. Yeah.
1: your Instagram line, I imagine is still in existence
0: don't waste your time he doesn't yeah. do anything on yeah. it so you'll just have to hear him on the podcast there you go well thanks dude All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And I hope you all enjoyed that. We definitely had a good time sitting down, um, sharing stories, laughing. And I look forward to doing a lot more of these podcasts with Brad. Um, I think he will be the co-host moving forward. His schedule's a little crazy right now. And the only reason that we actually were able to sit down and finally record an episode together is because he just had a vasectomy and so he's kind of stuck at home for a little while now that being said he'll be healed up and back on his feet here in a little bit um but he's just a busy guy he's going all the time whether it's doing home projects or painting houses through his painting business or being on the ambulance because he is an emt well paramedic i believe um anyways he he's just always going, and so it was good to finally wrangle him in, get him to sit down and have a conversation with me that we could record for you all. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, keep keep looking for more content. I'm putting stuff out on social media all the time. That is not my number one priority. That is not something that I've ever been like, oh man, I can't wait to do this. But my wife started getting me into TikTok and making videos and just kind of adding some humor um that hunters can relate with into the social media platform so go check it out on so, on uh, tiktok on instagram facebook the nomadic outdoorsman on all three platforms and i think you'll get a good laugh out of some of the stuff and unfortunately be able to relate to some of my pain so until next time always choose adventure god bless and we will see you later